When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, welcome back to another episode of the Gap Downbacker podcast. Um, we have a great guest today with us um, who was nice enough to, I, I met when we started scheduling our state clinic this past year and that was nice enough to speak at our uh, state clinic. Um, Coach Stan Hodgen, uh, the offensive coordinator at Shenandoah University. Coach, how are you doing? I'm doing awesome. Thanks for having me. No problem, Coach. Like I said, again, again, as I said off screen, I want to say again publicly, I appreciate you speaking at our state clinic. You did a fantastic job. Um, I know our state association was happy with all of our speakers and what they were able to send us and help us out with. So on behalf of our state association, I want to, I want to thank you again. Um, and I kind of want to get into it first before anybody who might not know you. I mean, you are an air raid guy. What is your kind of background? How did you end up at Shenandoah? And then from there, how did you get? How did you learn and get involved in coaching your variation of the air raid offense? Um, well, first of all, I was, I am the uh, the son of a high school football coach. I didn't know there was any other jobs uh, available, and so um, you know, pretty much never had the thoughts of being a policeman or a fireman or any of those other tremendously noble occupations. I just, I felt like teaching and coaching was, you know, that was the route to go. And, um, you know, so then when I went to college, I did my undergrad at Carson Newman in East Tennessee, and it was never a question of what my major was and, and knew that once I completed my degree that I was, I was going to be an educator and a coach and, um, was fortunate enough to get hired. My first job, I was hired as an offensive coordinator, um, and we had no idea what we were doing and just kind of um, floundered around and learned from mistakes that we were making. And then after the first year, I went to the, the head coach that had hired me and, and said, can we, can we invest some resources and, and go learn from some guys? And, um, you know, so the, the path that I originally started on was kind of a run and shoot, um, run and shoot track uh, spent, for, for four consecutive years, I was at spring practice and worked summer camps at the University of Houston with Jack Pardee as the head coach there to, in the beginning, and John Jenkins was the offensive coordinator, and then uh, Coach Jenkins got the head job, and that relationship continued. Uh, from there, I think the next guy that really influenced what I was doing uh, was Mouse Davis. I got a chance to go down to um, Florida. He was the head coach of the New York, New Jersey Knights uh, in one of the, in one of those offshoot professional leagues. And I got a chance to go down and spend 10 days with him, the first 10 days of their camp. So I got to see all of their install and sit in on all their meetings. And, and that was just a tremendous experience. Um, I think I kind of, I, I started veering away from the running shoot 
um, around 2006, 2007, um, I had a chance to, um, I actually went down to Texas Tech with Coach Leach for, um, for two springs. Um, and, and just learned uh, an awful lot there. And obviously that was an amazing staff that he had, uh, you know, at the time. And, you know, Lincoln Riley was his inside receivers coach. And, um, you know, just some guys that were on the staff that are now head coaches throughout the country that are doing exceptionally well. And, um, you know, one of the highlights of, of, my, of, of my experiences learning was um, – a handful of years ago, I think it was at the AFC convention in 2016, I had a chance to sit down one-on-one and, um, and pick the brain of how mommy who certainly started all of this stuff. And, um, you know, so that was, that's kind of the background and the library that I've collected from. And there's, there's many others, uh, Neil Brown, who's at West Virginia now and Dana Holgerson and, um, you know, countless others, Phil Longo's at North Carolina, just guys that have been very helpful along the way. And, you know, it seems like the, the, the more I learn it, the, you know, from the, you know, get ideas from different people of influence, they're not really large changes that we're making. They're just very minor tweaks to what we're doing. And, you know, Hey, you know, this is a really good way of doing this on the, you know, on the, the front side of cross, or this is really neat of, you know, you can pair this with mesh or, you know, something like that. So it's just really small tweaks that I think each year we get a little bit better at teaching it. And our players are, um, you know, that are in our system that have been in it for a couple of years, truly understand what we're trying to accomplish and have a good understanding of, of, um, you know, spacing and, you know, how we're trying to conflict the defense. And it's just, it's been an amazingly fun journey. And I really appreciated the opportunities I've been given. Now, how, how much, you mentioned where I shoot there. And that's always deep down one of my like secret loves. Cause I grew, I grew up watching Hawaii and Colt Vernon and all that. And um, how much of that stuff have you retained in your offense, if, if any? Um, there, there's certainly a run and shoot influence in what we do. Um, you know, I would tell you that I think if you if you watched us, if you broke down a, a game or a season of us, you would, you know, it's mostly, um, you know, going to have run. Uh, excuse me, it's going to mostly be air raid concepts. Uh, but there are some some things that we do with um, leveraging guys and in and out defenders or high low end defenders that you know that I've you know gotten from run and shoot guys that and have been incorporated in what we're trying to do for a very long time. Okay. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll ask you the same question because I asked it to how Mummy too, is, if it, it, like, what are your top three favorite, like, in order plays? Like, his goes mesh, uh, four birds, and then I think cross, if I remember correctly, was his third favorite. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. What what in what in your order like what is your top three? Um, if you look at our install uh, order, uh, it, it's it certainly is going to be go first, shallow second, cross third. Okay. Uh, if at the end of the season, if you look at plays run, if you do a, a hit chart of plays run, it does not necessarily 
align that way. I think each year <laughs> we're a little bit different. Um, one thing that we try to do is marry the concepts to the strengths of our players. So, you know, I may believe that four verts is the greatest play in football, but if we don't have guys that can take the top off coverage or we don't have quarterbacks that can go through the, you know, the four verts progression, then that's not going to be something we're going to run an awful lot, even though that will be our very first install. Um, you know, so it kind of changes season to season as to, you know, what our most run concepts are. And each team's a little bit different. Now, I mean, when I talked to Hal a couple weeks ago, he he mentioned the addition of inside zone um, and RPOs, kind of thanks to Dana Holgerson to a point. How much have you dabbled in the RPO world since that's kind of become the evolution, of, especially of college football? I think I think the RPO approach is an incredibly effective offensive approach, and you know, in theory, you're attempting to put you know a single defender in conflict. Um, but that being said, we don't do any of it, um, and and it's philosophically it has to do with time. Um, we practice, and I am 100% in support of this. At, at Shenandoah, we are on the field for two hours uh, from start to finish. And that includes stretching. That includes any conditioning we're doing. That includes special teams work. We're never on the field longer than 120 minutes. So when you break all that down, we're, we're getting about an hour and 15 minutes or about 75 minutes a day to work on our offense. Um, the thing about the RPOs that I have not that I have not figured out how to manage is practice time. So if you're running, let's say you're pairing an inside zone with a, I don't know, a, a, a slant scheme, um, and you're you're trying to conflict a, a level three defender, the quarterback, the the point guard, is in my mind needs many more reps to ensure that the ball goes the right place according to how the defense is, uh, is reacting. And so if you're pairing with inside zone, I think the quarterback needs a lot more reps on reading um, that defender in conflict than the offensive line needs um, to get really good at running inside zone. So I'm asking the question, why am I asking offensive linemen to go you know, 10 or 15 additional repetitions just so the quarterback gets to be, um, you know, as effective making those reads as the offensive line is in running or executing inside zone. And I just, the way I see it, because it's, I think time is everybody's opponent. Um, it's just, it's not an efficient use of our practice time. Now we will do some pre-snap, um, pre-snap determined run pass options. Um, I, I stopped short of calling it RPOs, but it's all based on leverage. And those are things I can take care of in the meeting room or in the film room and not spend, you know, valuable time on the field. Um, you know, I use the term wasting the offensive line's time, but, um, you know, it, they they've got they've got so much that we're asking them to do, and I believe the offensive line is the most important position group on the team. Um, you know, I, I want to make sure we maximize that seventy five minutes for the offensive line group. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. That's, I mean, that's kind of been my focus this offseason as we've done, built, put up together our playbook is how can I keep it simple for our offensive line in the process? That's the biggest part for me, especially at the high school level where I have kids that are going to go two ways. I don't like that. They have even less time. So um, I agree 100%. Um, how much, I mean, with the evolution of, of this offense, um, I, I, I've heard how and, and Mike talk about at minimum their goal is 60% passing completion. That was kind of like their initial goal. Um, what is, do you have a set goal for the season or, and how's that kind of morphed as the year going on? I used to believe that, and I used to feel that way, um, and was certainly in line with their philosophy on that. And I got to, I got an opportunity to come to Shenandoah after the 2012 season um, with Coach Scott Yoder. He was, um, he was the defensive coordinator at Hobart, and you know got his first chance to be a head head coach, and was kind enough to reach out. We had never met, um, but. Um, within 28 days of his hiring, I was on campus with him uh, and on the road recruiting. So it all happened really fast. Um, but with that, um, you know, with, with, with that evolution, what we inherited was a team that had averaged 15 points a game in 2012. Um, you can only imagine the one loss record, um, scoring 150 points in 10 games. Um, and, and so that was kind of our focus was how do we, how do we become a, um, what's the formula to score more points? And, you know, in 13, we were significantly better than what we inherited in 12 and 14. Um, we, we improved over 13 and then it was the 15 season. You know, it was, we were, we were increasing our points at about five points per game. Uh, or about 50 points a season. So how do we how do we maximize that? How do we get a significant bigger jump? And we spent an awful lot of time that off season studying teams that were scoring, um, you know, substantially more points than we than we were scoring. And it was at all levels, all all divisions. And the common thread that we discovered was explosive plays yield points. Uh, and so then, I mean, it got, we kind of stumbled onto that. And then we started studying about number of explosive plays per drive and, and what, you know, if you have a, if you have a possession with no explosive plays, how many points does that yield? If you have one explosive play in a drive, your, your point total or your point average per possession significantly increases. If you can able, if you're able to put together two explosive plays in a single drive, now all of a sudden you're about three times more likely to score a touchdown than if you have zero explosive plays. So we got away from, you know, the, the goal of 63% pass completion, which we had had in 13 and 14. Um, and we, we took, uh, just kind of swallowed that peel and said, okay, if our, if our, if our completion percentage should actually dip, but we increase our explosive plays and we score more points than we've actually accomplished what we're trying to get to. And so our, our, our focus went away from uh, a possession type passing attack or a possession 
uh, oriented offensive attack to how do we increase our explosive plays and you know and certainly there's a little more risk in those and certainly the reward is higher when you when you execute them but at the same time your percentage of uh, of execution probably takes a dip which it did for us but um, in a single season there we had a 12 point per game increase uh, once we changed our focus to the explosive plays and so now we typically have three goals for a game. Um, offensively, uh, you know, we don't have, we don't, we're fortunate. We don't have anybody playing both ways. So when we're in offensive meetings and we're preparing for an opponent, we don't talk about wins and losses because there's so many things that can go into, you know, that, that can uh, dictate whether you win or lose that are completely out of the offense's control. And so let's focus on things we do have control over and let's, let's make sure we increase those. And so, you know, obviously the, the first thing we want to do is we want to eliminate turnovers. Um, and, and so that's goal number one. Goal number two is we want to have 15 explosive plays uh, per game. Uh, we average about, um, you know, if you take the last three seasons, we're, we're somewhere around 12 and a half possessions a game. So if, if we can get to 15 explosive plays in a game, then, then that's going to yield points. And then, um, you know, the other one is third down conversion percentage. And, um, you know, we want to be north of 50% on third down conversion. So if we do those three things, we feel like that that's a formula that we're going to score a lot of points and, and ultimately the offense's contribution to winning is, eliminating turnovers and scoring points. And so if we can, you know, we've been fortunate the last three years that we've been north of 40 points per game. And, um, you know, if we're able to do that, then we give our, our team a chance to, to be the, you know, the team jumping up and down celebrating after the game. So um, we've, we've kind of gotten away from the percent of pass completion uh, approach and, and shifted more to uh, how do we increase our explosive plays. That was actually going to be one of the next questions I had for you is about explosive plays because that's something I've been getting on lately because I, I know Mac Brown had a big study about that, oh, God, like 10 years ago or something like that when he was at the University of Texas when he was evaluating his offseason and how that corresponded to winning games. Now, I've kind of been bugging everybody about um, what their numbers are for that just because I had curiosity because everybody's got a different number. I've heard – some people say as low as seven or eight for a, a play. To some say twelve for a run and fifteen for pass and all that lovely mm-hmm. stuff. So everybody's a little different there. And then, and then is that is that the explosive play? Is that why you put four birds on so high on your list? Because how explosive that can be. Um, I mean, it certainly has its influence. Uh, the reason we start everything with four verts is if if we if the defense doesn't feel like they're threatened with the ball over their head, now all of a sudden you've got corners and safeties that are inside of 10 yards. And all of a sudden, you know, defenses, basically you can take the game of football, I think, and simplify it into a single term and that defenses want to constrict space. You know, they want to squeeze space. That's They want to squeeze it from outside in and they want to squeeze it from the top down. And offense, I think the biggest friend we have is space. And so we want to maximize space. We want to make sure we're playing 53 and a third yards wide on the field. We want to attack you sideline to sideline, and we want to be able to um, 
attack you 30 yards down the field. So, um, you know, we want to maximize space and four verts, I think is, is the easiest way to stretch a defense sideline to sideline and 30 yards down the field. And, you know, if we, if we can hit our fair share of the down the field shots, now all of a sudden, you know, we're going to find safeties and corners that are, you know, at, at 10 and 12 and 13. And now all of a sudden there's a lot more space underneath for your, your shallows and your meshes and, you know, your, the other things that you're doing underneath. So we just want to maximize that space. Now, let's continue on then, because I kind of want to get into it. Why, why uh, oh, cross, um, I mean, that's kind of what we wanted to talk today. Talk to me about that play before we kind of get in the rules is, is why is that such an air raid staple, and why do you run it? Um, I don't know that I'm a great person to ask why it's an air raid staple. Um, I, I can I can tell you the reason we run it and the reason I love it is because it is another way of stretching the defense vertically. Um, you know, on the on the side where the cross runner is aligned, you're getting a high low on the safety. Um, on the side away from the cross runner's alignment, uh, you're getting a vertical stretch uh, with a you know with a high low on the corner. So. Um, it has all the components that we're looking for for to, um, you know, to, to stretch the defense vertically. And I will say that if you if you look at some of the pure air raid guys, uh, we we run it differently than they do. And um, and it's basically it's just kind of an evolution. Uh, it was actually uh, we we made the change to the way we run it now after the. 2016 season uh at that time we were getting it seemed like everybody was defending us with quarters coverage and so we tweaked how we were reading it and what our points of not so much the routes but we tweaked how we were reading it and what our emphasis on the play was in order to be a better a better answer to beat quarters coverage okay and okay let, let's kind of get into that because you said you you run it a little differently so uh, before we get to the actual film aspect, um, what what are from fr- front side going back side? Let's let's just start with uh, two by two doubles. What is that? What are the kind of the rules and routes that you're running from from that? Well, everything we're going to talk about tonight, the cross runner is coming from the right side of the formation. Um, and so, if we look at the right side of the formation, our outside guy. Um, in our offense is the letter Z. He's going to run a post. He's going to he's going to stem for inside leverage on the corner, and then win on the post um, to the inside. And our if we're in two by two, the inside receiver in our offense is the letter H. Um, we are Shenandoah Hornets, so our inside guys are S and H. Um, our H is going to, to run the traditional under Sam over Mike route uh, for the cross there. And then we're going to swing the back to the crosser side. The, the back can line up a number of different places, but ultimately he's going to be, um, you know, in the, in the flat area on, on the side that the cross runner is aligned initially. And then on the other side, um, we're going to run a, uh, 
a go route from the X or the number one receiver that has zero conversions. He is, he is trying to take the top off the coverage that way. And then uh, the number two receiver away from the cross runners alignment, our S is going to run what we call a pressure out and he must win. He must win on the, on the pressure out because he is the, he is the blitz beating answer. Um, if we get, you know, if we get six man pressure, we are a five man protection team. And, um, you know, so with all of our concepts, anytime there's an idea that, you know, that we either create ourselves or that we, uh, steal from somebody else. And, and I truly believe football coaches are some of the greatest thieves in, in the world. Um, you know, we're just, it's, it's such a copycat deal. And, um, and so most, I mean, most of the things we do, we've gotten from other people. Um, but you know, with that protecting with five, everything we start with, when somebody comes in and says, Hey, I got a great idea and they draw it up the first question. And it, it used to only come from me. And now it comes from a variety of other guys because everybody kind of understands the importance of this is what's our pressure answer. You know, if, if they, if they commit to bring in six and, and play zero coverage, do you have a built-in answer? And if we can't find a built-in answer that we like, then as great as the idea is, it's not something that we incorporate in our offense. Okay. And then uh, I guess I'm going to continue with this. What, because I can't enunciate today. Um, Footwork-wise for your quarterback, is that just out of the gun? Is that a one or a three-step drop from the gun? It's a three-step drop from the gun. And then what is your quarterback's read progression on this? Um, Again, if we're running the side that the cross runner is aligned, if we get a too high safety look, we're reading the safety to his side. And if the safety is a post defender, then we're going to throw the cross. And if the, if the safety dives down on the cross again, we got to all this because of quarters coverage. And so if the, if the safety squeezing the cross, then we've got the post route inside leverage on the corner. And, you know, and that's a one-on-one shot down the field. Um, and then if, you know, if something crazy happens, if where we want to go with the ball, if that guy gets, if he falls down or if, you know, if he gets, you know, not rerouted, uh, you know, by a physical defender or something like that, then the back is swinging. So the quarterback's got everything on one side of the formation okay. um, there. And then the, the other side is our pressure beating answer. So if we're going to get, um, you know, if there's the threat of a six-man pressure or there are times that even a five-man pressure, depending on where it's coming from, then um, then we just go to the, the go outside. And, and that is, I mean, that's a quick game staple for us anyway. And so it's it's a pretty systematic read um, when the quarterback recognizes pressure that we're going to go left. Okay. And then my last, my last question before we get to film is, how does this alter when we get going to go trips with this? Um, and this is this is another tweak that I think that the majority of the pure air raid guys are not using. Um, when we go three by one and run cross, we typically are still running cross from the number two receiver. Okay. Uh, but the number three receiver from outside in, he's running shallow uh, right on the heels of the defensive line. And so we're trying to get him across the formation and in that same area that he normally would with his pressure out. 
and we don't get him that wide. Um, but what we have found is that, you know, it's, it's kind of an eye candy thing and we get the linebackers are not the, the interior linebackers are not as anxious to drop out of there. You know, they're, it seems like everybody wants to reroute receivers. And so those guys are kind of hanging in that, you know, that three to four yard range. And then they'll even drive down on a shallow runner, um, you know, to rerouting. But then what that does is it separates that level two inside linebacker um, pass defense from that level three safety defense. So we actually, it actually gives us a bigger hole in many cases to throw the, the cross route itself. Well, to start with right here, we are reading the, this is H cross. So the cross runner is the inside receiver to the right okay. here. We are reading the safety to our right. That is right now he is, you know, hash plus a half, or he's either on the hash or hash plus a half. And, and so we're going to catch the snap. We're going to go through our three-step drop and we're trying the, the question the quarterback is asking is, is that safety defending the post? or is that safety collapsing on the, on the cross? And, and you can go ahead and let it run. Um, and then once the cross runner breaks, yeah, I'll just slow it'll freeze it again. Oh. Okay, so right there, you can see the safety has disappeared out of the picture and he is obviously defending the post. And, you know, so now it's, and, and you know, do we have a window to throw the, the cross route here? So we're under Sam over Mike. Um, and I actually think we get the Mike disappears, I think, um, on this one. But I, but we end up throwing the cross. Actually, the Mike matches the back on the swing. So. Yeah, that's so we get man coverage here. Now, one thing about our cross runner here, uh, especially against man, we we kind of we're kind of angled like we're running a, a somewhat of a post cut by our cross route, and and this is something that we you know would like to clean up. Uh, we don't want him to continue working towards the back pylon. Uh, we'd like for him once he wins inside there to flatten it out uh, and create separation between him and the uh, the OLB that's chasing him there. Okay, I think that's. Pretty well run, coach. So that was good. Everything here is the same. We're going against a single high safety. And so once we get to the point where the receiver breaks there at the 30 yard line, it's kind of the, just the question is the free safety in a position to defend the post? I think this one's a little gray. Um, you know, at the point of decision, if we'd have made the post throw here, I don't think it would have upset anybody in our film room. Uh, but, you know, I, I, looking at the sticks, it appears to be a third and nine play. And so, um, you know, the quarterback's thought here may have been more, uh, you know, third down conversion as opposed to, um, you know, the true free safety read. And one thing that happens on this one, is we give our cross runner a ceiling of 15 yards. Now, certainly his route is under Sam and over Mike, but if he if he can't get over Mike and, and start on his cross of the field, start across the yeah. field before he gets to 15 yards, we do give him the green light to undercut the Mike. And that's what happens here. He undercuts the Mike. I mean, you were right about that post route though, coach, because 
I also did notice, like, I mean, you talked earlier about that speed out having to win. I mean, yeah, it's a condensed, shortened side, but still, like, if you need that now, it's there. Like, right, right, and and that again, that is that is a quick game concept that we run, and um, you know, so it, if we sense pressure, and we're gonna, there is a clip later in the, a little later in the film playlist that we have um, where we're gonna get pressure, and you'll see that we don't we don't three step drop it. We go to quick game footwork in order to execute that one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, like I said, that, that clip, I think gave the best emphasis of it. All right, let's go to. Okay. So we're reading the safety that's on the 12, 11 and a half yard line on the hash. And, you know, just on the snap, he's incredibly deep um, pre-snap. Uh, which is a pretty strong indicator that he is going to be a deep defender, but we do let it play out. And it's, um, it's, you know, hopefully we're going off of what we see and not what we think. Um, but here with two man, our cross, our cross runner uh, is, you know, he's under, under Sam. Um, Mike is matching the back. And, and so that kind of opens up the middle again. And I believe, uh, Looking at the sticks, I think this is a fourth and seven. So, um, you know, we're running we're running cross at some very critical times. Um, we've already seen a third down conversion, and then here we see a fourth down conversion. Um, but again, I mean, the, the read is, you know, it's a pretty clean read. It's, um, you know, it's a single guy. We're reading the safety. He's backpedaling from the very beginning, and... So we determine, and not necessarily can he defend the post, is his intentions to be a post defender. Um, and and so with him backing up like that, you know, then our cross is going to be significantly underneath him and he's not going to be a factor um, in that that part of the play. So the cross should, is where the ball should have gone here. Now, did, now I, did, I did have one question on this clip is, did you – should he your crosser there flattened a little bit more about there? Yes. And, and, you know, if you'll think about a clip we saw just a minute ago where I mentioned that the, the cross runner was, you know, on an angle like towards the back pylon yeah. against man coverage, we want to be flatter. Well, I mean, this is, this is a much better run route here. Yeah. He is significantly flatter. Um, once he starts his cross and, and again, you know, we don't, we don't want to run at diagonals to beat man coverage. We will either want to run, you know, as vertical as possible or as horizontal as possible to maximize separation in man coverage. Okay. This is a neat clip here. Um, this is a change up that we have. We actually up top, we've got our, Number one receiver, our Z, is, and our number two receiver, our H, are stacked. Um, we don't have to be stacked in order to run this, but we actually invert their two routes. So we're actually running Z cross here uh, and not H cross, but their, their landmarks are identical to everything you've seen. It's just now the cross is going to come from the outside receiver and the post is going to come from the inside receiver. Um, does not change the read at all. Um, again, it's, you know, we are constantly looking at what are the strengths of our players 
and how can we how can we tweak things to lean on the strengths of our guys rather than uh, exposing what potentially is a weakness and um, the Z receiver that's running the cross route here was a, a really talented guy. He actually finished his career last May and or graduated last May. He was a senior in the 19th season and finished number five in the country as a senior in touchdown reception. So he was a really gifted receiver of the football and a good route runner. But here you can see another critical down. I believe it's fourth and nine. Um, you know, he gets he gets you know, to the top of his route, and he is almost completely horizontal in his cross, which allows him to separate from the defense. And then with the number two receiver, um, if we've if we've inverted the routes here, his deal is to not give, he already has inside leverage on the corner that we're, we're trying to isolate on the post is just not give up that inside leverage. So we want to push the corner for width, uh, yeah. but without crossing his sternum, we want to maintain that inside leverage so that if that safety that we're reading, if he should dive down on the cross, that we still, in fact, have inside leverage on the post, even though it's coming from the inside receiver. Okay. All right, here's our trips formation, Coach. Okay. And it, you get the shallow from number three, um, and that we have inverted the route again. This is the Z receiver running the cross um, with the post from the H. Um, and it's just, it's kind of a, a zone answer here um, on the cross. You know, he just kind of feels the opening and he throttles down a little bit. And quarterback, I think, is surprised by how wide open he is. And maybe squeezes it just a little bit, trying to make a perfect throw, but we end up converting this. So again, I think this is third and 10. So, you know, as we watch this, you know, just one thing I'd continue to mention, this is, this was not, you know, this is probably our third most important play or our third play in our install, but it's, you know, when, when it gets down to, we need to make a play, this is, you know, one we get to quite often. Well, the other thing knows, and you kind of mentioned earlier about eye candy with that cross. That cross, that cross, the sh the shallow can be deadly in drawing eyes and opening up stuff behind it. I, I'm noticing. Yes, and you know, you you notice the inside linebacker to the to where he's coming from. Uh, excuse me, where he's going actually vacates the throwing lane to, that we're trying to throw the cross route into. So, um, you know, it has has considerable value in, you know, just a little different presentation to the defense. Okay, here we have, um, we're running Z cross again, and this is an example. We actually throw the post to the number two receiver. Um, again, the read is the, the safety that's just inside the hash there at midfield he obviously is uh, aggressively coming down on the cross route and following him um, you know so that what that creates is you know the one-on-one -on, -one on the post and because we don't surrender inside leverage to the corner you know then the corner is actually in a uh, in a chase mode uh, for an in-breaking route with no inside help and and so this is a, a really good example of 
of the, the vertical uh, threat that the concept gives us uh, against quarters coverage. Okay. Now is, is the, I'm also noticing like the top, the backside, is that a tagged route set there or is that an adjustment because they're stacked? No, that was, that's a tagged route adjustment. Uh, okay. And that was this opponent specific because of what they were doing. Um, you know, they're, they're, we had thrown it over their head um, in in the previous year, and then we had already thrown it over their head in this game, and they were they were really soft with the um, the safeties, and so um, we actually just you know kind of squatted both the guys on the backside here uh, with a tag, um, just as a place to go if we did get pressure. Okay. And here's a three by one here and you can see the linebacker first of all the inside linebacker just comes down and he is going to attempt to completely eliminate the shallow um, but what that does is it allows for more space between the linebackers and the safety safety here does um, you know he is quite interested in the cross um, and and so we get you know we get again the one-on-one with the the post and this is it's a pretty impressive throw and catch right here for a touchdown. Now, now my other question is, cause I'm, I'm looking at the top of the screen as well. On that uh, mandatory vertical you have, um, um, do you have a preference on where they, they attack inside or outside on that, that mandatory vertical? Yeah, it's it's mandatory outside release, and okay. we you know we'd certainly prefer not to have all the contact that is going on on this play. But he does outside release, and, and the whole deal there is we want to make sure that that corner's eyes, you know, he doesn't sneak a peek and see the crosser coming and okay. slough off. Because if we would throw the cross, the quarterback is never going to see that corner falling back in and he, you know, he could undercut it. And so that's why we mandatory outside release that in hopes that we never have his eyes back inside, whether it's man or zone. Okay. And then this is, this is really the identical scenario. Um, we're running H cross here. So our inside guys running the cross route, but our read is the read is the safety. And he obviously is very interested in the crosser and, um, you know, inside leverage and, you know, the ball's a little bit underthrown, but when we underthrow the deep ball, the offense has the advantage and, you know, we just, this is a jump ball that um, we're able to come down with here, but, you know, the critical thing again is, um, you know, it's another way of getting a down the field throw and, you know, obviously an explosive play here. I think it was, I don't know, 29, 30 yard gain here. Now, I don't think we've talked about it yet, but about sitting your routes for zone. Is that was normally designed for your crosser if he sees a open grass like that? Well, we, yes. Um, but it, it's not, it's not so much. Um, we actually get to that result. The, 
with an inverse re, uh, an inverse description of what's expected. And, and what, what I mean by that is we don't want our guys running into coverage. And so it's not distinguishes it man or zone and sit versus zone and run versus man. It's okay. more of your under Sam over Mike and, you know, as you make that turn to cross the field, you know, peak. And if there's guys that have you leveraged um, and you're going to run into them, that's when you sit. Okay. Um, you know, so we're, we're really, you and I are both saying the exact same thing. It's just, does um, your sound we don't, better? <laughs> we don't, well, we don't ask our players to, yeah. to distinguish man. We don't ask our receivers Okay. to distinguish man versus zone and react this way versus one and react a different way versus two. It's don't run into coverage. Don't cover yourself. Yeah. Okay. Here is an example of, um, I mean, this is cross. Uh, we get a, we get a guy Ooh. off the edge coming here and there's nobody left for the back. And this is just an awareness by the quarterback. Um, you know, so they, they're in zone, they're playing zone behind it. Uh, but there's not a guy that can immediately, um, you know, affect the running back. And yeah. so, you know, understanding that this is an inside linebacker that is just coming off the edge. Um, you know, this was a, a really good answer uh, to, to this particular pressure. And, you know, we just, we get there, we get to this by films, just the amount of film study that we have with our quarterbacks and understanding that, you know, we're asking them to be distributors and, you know, so we want them to get the ball to the right person at the right time. And this is an example here that that is by far the best answer on this play, uh, com, you know, considering how we're being defended. You know, and then you get the ball to, you know, a guy that can wiggle is hard to tackle in a phone booth and you get, you know, you get a play, a ball that's caught four yards behind the line of scrimmage and you end up with a, you know, a 35-yard gain because he can, you know, make a guy miss. So, He looks like an athlete, Coach. That's, that's this, is, this, is, this is obviously all coaching right here, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know what I like better, the fact that he, he he's severely athletic and makes a, a, a lot of, I don't know, a lot out of a little – or the fact that your receiver there tries to completely annihilate a defender. I don't know what, which one I prefer and enjoy more. Well, our, our receiving coach is Ben Taylor, who was um, um, he was an, a linebacker in the NFL for five years. Um, <laughs> and and he, bring, he brings a little different mentality to the offensive meeting room. <laughs> hey, that's awesome, Coach. He, he actually is, uh, you know, is an Ohio guy. So he played for Cleveland and then he played for Green Bay. So good dude. Um, this clip here is, uh, you know, we're in stack. We're running H cross. And this is an example here of, you know, it just didn't unfold the way we thought it would. Um, you know, obviously we're not getting pressure here. So the, the ball should go to our right. Um, but our cross runner is, you know, is not scot free. They they're kind of matching him there. I mean, we could have gotten it to him probably, but it'd been a catch and a tackle. Yeah. Um, you know, the the read is defending the post, and so it's just kind of a muddy look a little bit. 
And so the answer is to throw the ball to the back. And again, this is, um, although this is a different back than the previous play, but it's just an opportunity. You get a guy, the ball in space, and, you know, he makes a guy or two miss and turns a, a little bitty throw into a, you know, a critical, looks like fourth and nine conversion here and keeps the drive alive. Well, that's a that's a first down there too, Coach. There's yes. I mean, there, 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 this kind of reminds me a, 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 again, kind of the air raid philosophy. If they drop seven or eight, take take the check down and let your athletes play in space, and that's exactly. But again, you know, I think this is this is another really good example. We talked about it a little earlier. Of you know, we want we want to make you defend sideline to sideline and 30 yards down the field and space is our best friend. And, you know, here we've got the defense lifted. We've got the defense separated and, yeah. you know, able to make a little throw to a really good athlete. And, you know, he's able to get, you know, a, looks like a yard or two more than needed for a first down. Now, before I play this last clip, I, I've kind of noticed you, you've called this at about every single spot on the field at this point. Is there is there anywhere you won't call this or have a pr- preference to call this? No, sir. I, I, this no. This is um, four verticals, uh, shallow and cross. We will run anywhere on the field. Okay. Uh, this clip here. This is we're going to get. Uh, we call it all American blips from the field. We get inside and outside. Um, just through film study, we, you know quarterback saw this recognized it you know long before um the pressure presented itself and our answer is to the left here and um he makes a really good throw on the out cut and um young receiver here makes a nice catch splits two defenders and able to poke it in the end zone uh but but there's your pressure answer okay that's a well-thrown ball coach that's a it is that's a very Once, once again, this is another picture of all coaching. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like I said, that, that, that is perfect, Coach. That is fantastic. So, I mean, a couple quick questions before we wrap up, Coach, is, I mean, obviously you mentioned on there there's nowhere you wouldn't call it, um, and that seems to kind of be your third and long, fourth and long answer. Um, I, I, I do have a curiosity. How much – do you evaluate after the season your, okay, how many times did I call this and how efficient were we at it? Um, our, our, it's an ongoing process and it begins after game one and okay. we do it every week. Um, you know, certainly the guys we're competing against are doing an amazing job figuring out who we are and we just want to make sure we know, or at least we know what we think they know about us. Um, it's again, it's um, when we when we're doing an evaluation postseason. Uh, usually, it's to figure out what was not effective and eliminate it. Um, you know, I think I, I, I think that if you if you knew what our offense was in total, it would blow your mind that we're not more complicated. Um, we really don't run many things. We don't have many concepts. Our inst- we're a three-day install team, um, and, and and we install in three days the things that we're going to running. You know, in the 
games seven, eight, nine, and ten. It's um, it's we don't change. Now we'll we'll flower it up. We'll you know with motion and and with different formations, but conceptually. Um, we just we don't do a lot of things. We we have four runs, we have four passes, we have four quick games, and we have four screens, and that's it. And um, you know, we just we try to kind of the philosophy we take is, you know, if if, if you and I are playing each other in let's say week two, um, you know, we're going to get three weeks of preseason, two weeks of game prep, so. You know, we will have practiced what we're doing for five weeks and you've got three or four days yeah. to, to figure out, you know, how you're going to defend it and, you know, and coach your players. And one of the things that, that we are very conscious of is we want to be different from everybody else in our league offensively. And, and so it's not – I don't want to help an opponent by saying, oh, well, they're just like this team and, you know, we can <laughs> – you know, we can remember what we did against, you know, two weeks ago when we played such and such, and we can just repeat that. And so I want to be incredibly unique in, in what we do. Um, and hopefully our level of execution is just, you know, significantly better than, you know, at the five-week point is significantly better than what our opponent can, you know, produce in three or four days. Yeah. Okay, and then uh, and then I, I just got one more on that scouting aspect. How much does that self scouting, that analytical data throughout the season, adjust some of your play calling throughout the year? Um, it, 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 it there is an influence there. Okay. Yes, um, there was. I can remember in two thousand eighteen, we led all of college football in throwing the football, okay, in passing yards per game, uh, all divisions, and. I can remember there was a point, I can't remember exactly where it was, game five, six, seven, somewhere in there. Um, it was brought to my attention by one of our really sharp guys that, are you aware that we have thrown the football on every first day on for the last four games? <laughs> and and the, the honest answer was no, I was not. And so the next game was, uh, you know, was one of the better teams in the league. I think statistically the best defense in the league. And, you know, so we purposely um, called first down runs in that game to break tendencies. Um, so, I mean, it, it has its influence, uh, but at the end of the day, it, you know, it, especially critical downs, third downs, uh, once you get in the red zone and we got a chance to, you know, to put points on the board, we're going to do what we're really good at doing. We're going to do what we're best at. And, you know, if, if the opponent can defend what we're best at, then they're going to win. And, and, and so, you know, on first and second down, yes, it'll have a lot of influence, but, you know, you get us, you get us in critical situations. I, I don't care that third and third and six, We've thrown it a hundred percent of the time. I don't care. We're going to throw it if that's what we're best at. Well, coach, I appreciate you coming on and talking a little ball with me tonight. Um, coaches, uh, if you want to get a hold of coach, uh, I'll put his Twitter down below. Give him a follow. Uh, give him a DM if, you, if you're curious about some stuff. Coach, coach is a great guy and um, does some great stuff there at Shenandoah. Uh, probably by the time this post, his spring season will be over. Um, so check them out. I mean, you might be able to check some replays or find some of their games, depending on how the spring goes. Um, 
and so forth. Um, as always, make sure you like and subscribe. Uh, check out the Patreon that's below. Um, and if you have any questions, please let us know. Otherwise, uh, thanks again, Coach, for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. I thoroughly enjoyed it. No problem, Coach. And, and that was another episode of the Gap Down Backer Podcast.